we all want to be happier. But how do we get there? First, we start by realizing happiness is not a destination. Being happy consists of micro action steps every single day. I'm your host, Brittany King, and I'm here to guide you along the way. Hello, friend. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host and your coach, Brittany King. I am so glad you're here. This is another solo episode, and while solo episodes make me extremely uncomfortable, I know that that is a sign that I need to keep doing it because when I push myself outside of my comfort zone, I know that I grow the most, and the only way to improve something is to do it even if it makes you uncomfortable. So here we are today. Hi, how you doing? Seriously, how are you? I hope that you are finding some peace and calm throughout this pandemic. And the episode today is all about how I have found my peace and calm throughout this pandemic. And that's through the practice of mindfulness. This has been a topic on my show um, multiple times and for a good reason. Because if I can pinpoint one thing that's really helped me on my journey, it's mindfulness. And I didn't even realize I was practicing mindfulness as I started my journey, but it all kind of came full circle, even when I was thinking about recording this episode. So in order for me to share a little bit about how mindfulness has helped me, I have to tell a little bit of my story. And I don't talk about this often, but... It's a big part of who I am and where I came from and why mindfulness has been so powerful in my growth and development as a human being. So way back in the day, I was diagnosed with ADHD and dyslexia, so that became my story. I had a problem with focus, attention, concentration, all of the above, and that meant that something was wrong with me. I thought that I had a broken brain. I was held behind in various subjects. I had to spend my lunches um, in my teacher's room doing extra reading programs. I wasn't allowed to take two languages because I had attention deficit. I have no idea why, but that just is what came to be. And I had no say in any of this. All of the adults in my life thought they knew better than I did, but my inner knowing knew that something was off. Now, I didn't want to settle for this um, label of having attention deficit disorder. So I put my energy on being as social as I possibly could. And I thrived in that. I was a social butterfly. I would always be hanging out with friends and I had awesome groups of friends and it was the best. So my schooling experience, if I really think back about, um, what I loved about school, it was my people. And that gave me the skills that I have today. So I'm very grateful for that. But my story with ADD, I mean, it really carried on throughout most of my high school life to college and throughout my adult. Now in college, I remember having this moment and it was after pulling an all-nighter and I was a full-blown zombie strung out on Adderall. And I had been prescribed 
every medication under the sun. And I was going to this place called the Melmid Center and I don't know what they did there, but they prescribed, there'd be a new medication and they would try it on me. And it was terrible. I had the worst mood swings. I mean, being a teenager is hard enough as it is thanks to hormones and add in these this medication that totally altered my mood. My friends could tell when I was on it. It took away my appetite. It was the worst, but I thought I couldn't function without it. Now, looking back, I was distracted because I, <laughs> I was distracting myself from feeling a certain way. That was what's going on. I didn't know how to process my feelings or self-regulate, so I would be distracted and I had a hard time focusing because if I focus on something, God forbid, I would feel my feels. And this carried on throughout most of my life, but I do remember in college, it was before my senior year, being all strung out on Adderall, I was like, is this going to be my life for the rest of my life? And I had this little voice inside me that said, no, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. And I just decided cold turkey that I wasn't going to take Adderall anymore. And I stopped. I didn't want to take this little blue pill, which was the non-time release or the orange capsule, which was the time release. I just didn't want to take that for the rest of my life. So I decided then and there that I was done. Now, it was not easy, and I was even more distracted than I had ever been, and I had an even harder time focusing, so I supplemented that with other activities that kind of led to the next challenge in my life, which was a cycle of self-sabotaging behaviors. Um, Again, I wouldn't change any of it because it shaped me into who I am, but this kind of went on for a long time because ultimately what I discovered was I was just distracting myself from feeling. I didn't know how to process feelings. And instead of dealing with feelings, I would distract myself. And once I stopped taking my Adderall, it was distracting myself with food or boys or uh, alcohol or whatever it was that was stopping me from actually feeling my feels. When I started on my health journey and I started to practice self-love and have compassion towards myself, um, that's when things started to change. Now, I didn't realize at the time that I was practicing mindfulness because I was being aware without judging myself, but that was kind of the catalyst into my whole health journey. And then I discovered yoga and yoga was the moments of presence that I would find in my day that felt like freedom. And the great thing about yoga is you can always go back and do more practices but then that would became my new crutch. It's like I had to do yoga in order to feel that peace and calm. And I really wanted to figure out how to take that off the mat because I'd only experience it while I was in a yoga class. Then I tried to dabble with meditation, but having a monkey mind and meditation didn't really make sense to me because I could never turn off my brain. But I, what I didn't understand about meditation at the time was thoughts are a part of meditation. And I didn't know that. So it, I was very um, turned off by it because I'm like, I can't meditate. I'd sit down and all of a sudden it would be like, I can't do this. And then I would stop. And that went on for quite some time. Uh, But as I continued on my journey, I kept reading more and more about how amazing meditation practice is and how it can help all of these problems. And I had a lot of the problems that it said that it could help with. So I was like, what the heck? I'm just going to try it for a year. And I did. I used the app Headspace, shout out Andy, 
God love his voice. And that app was incredible because it gave you streaks and you tracked and it gave you these awesome mindful reminders. And I loved it. And I would do it 10 minutes a day, every single day. Of course, I'm human and I'm not a robot. So I miss some days, um, but I would get right back on the next day. I really developed the never miss twice attitude that James Clear, shout out Atomic Habits had taught me. It's like, if you miss one day, it's all good doesn't have to be perfect. It just needs to be consistent. So I'd make sure that I would do it the next day. Then I wanted to take it a step further. And I tried, um, I learned transcendental meditation, which is you get a mantra. It's just a sound and you meditate two times a day, 20 minutes, both times, which is insane for someone that couldn't sit still for five minutes. But I've been doing it for uh, since November. And it's actually been the number one thing that's actually has taught me how mindfulness and meditation works. And it's extremely powerful because before when I would have thoughts, it would be instantly I would label it bad. And then I would go down this whole downward spiral of like, I can't believe I'm thinking this thought. I'm judging myself again. And it wouldn't get me anywhere. And then sometimes after I meditate, I would feel worse because I had this thought and I thought something was wrong with me. But what I've learned is that meditation, uh, mindfulness, our thoughts are a part of it. And the practice is just being aware without any judgment. And that little tiny piece without judgment, I mean, that to me has been the most crucial part of this whole experience is we have thoughts and we do things and we think things. And then we are so judgy. We judge ourselves for thinking it. And it just creates this terrible cycle of thoughts. For example, food. I used to be like, I used to eat something. I'd enjoy it for a moment. But then the little voice inside my head would be so mean and judgy. Like, I can't believe you ate that. You're trying to lose weight. Like, how can you lose weight if you're going to eat that? And it was so mean. And what I've learned is you cannot bully yourself into changing. It doesn't last. It's not sustainable. In fact, it almost makes things worse because you bully yourself and you're like, fine, I'm going to do it. I'm going to change. And then you fall off again, or you have a setback. And then that little voice pops back in is like, Hey, I knew you can do it. Like I had a feeling and it's just this terrible, vicious cycle. But mindfulness is the tool that has helped me get past that voice and has allowed me to just be the awareness and not identify with the feelings and the thoughts that I have. And that has been the biggest thing that is like turned on a switch in my mind. And the reason why I'm sharing this with you today is, I mean, the past three months, I mean, it's been crazy and there has been so much uncertainty and anxiety and stress and fear that is swirling around at every moment of every day. And mindfulness has helped ground me back into the present moment. And the present moment is all that we have. This is incredibly important to me because I am incredibly privileged. I am privileged and I know it. And I haven't had as big of a struggle as other people have. And at times I have, I used to feel guilty because of it, but I realized that it's 
my circumstance and it's unique to me, but I carry a responsibility and there's a part of me that knows at my core because I am privileged, because I have been so grateful and to have what I have, it's my responsibility to take care of myself in this way so I can show up like the best coach, wife, friend, daughter, sister that I can possibly be. And it's a practice. It doesn't come naturally. It's something that I have to consistently work on, but it is at my core. It is at my deepest knowing that because of my privilege, I have a responsibility. I have a duty so that I can take care of others that do not have the same privilege that I have. So what I've learned is mindfulness helps develop my inner skills. So we have our external world and we have our internal world and our external world, we have very little control over. And it is very evident that we have had no control over it all along, but more so now than ever. We think we do, but we never really had control over what's going to happen in the future. And we have zero control over whatever happened in the past. And mindfulness develops the skills to work on the inner world. And it improves my ability to control my attention and helps strengthen my ability to self-observe. And this goal for me is to train my attention and develop a different relationship to the experiences that are around me that I consider stressful. Basically, mindfulness has taught me to pay attention to paying attention. And this helps me be more aware of my emotional state so I don't act impulsively. And that's the problem that I experience throughout all of my adolescence into adulthood is I acted very impulsively and then I would completely regret my actions because I didn't think about them because I didn't know how to process my emotions. And now I can sit here today and I can sit with my emotions because what I know is emotions, it's just a vibration in our body. And if we don't interrupt our emotions, they last for 90 seconds. But the problem is, We have a thought, we feel a feeling, and instantly we label it bad or good, and we try to fight it off. If it's good, we let it come, but it doesn't last. It's fleeting. If it's bad, though, so much resistance. We push it off. We push it off because we don't think we can handle it. But the reality is, if the worst thing that could happen in a moment is you feel a certain feeling that doesn't last, then it's not so bad mindfulness has allowed me to separate from myself from my feelings and actually gives me information I now have curiosity so the other day I was feeling really anxious and the important thing to recognize is I was feeling it and when you can identify it being a feeling instead of identifying saying I am anxious it makes it temporary and I sat down and I asked myself hey What are you trying to tell me, anxiety? And anxiety, let me know that you have a lot on your plate and you need to prioritize and choose one thing at a time to focus on. And it got, I mean, this was a, this is a cliff note version because this process went on for a little bit, but it did, it brought this sense of calm over me realizing, hey, I'm in control of what I do next. And what I do next is either going to feed the anxiety or it's going to lessen it. And by just asking it, what, what, hey, what's going on? I was able to gain a little bit of clarity and that clarity gave me power to make a very 
strategic next step, next action. And that's the key to mindfulness. It doesn't take away anxiety and stress, overwhelm, fear. It's not, it doesn't make any of the, the world's problems any less there, but it gives us the skills to cope with them and makes them more manageable. And that is such an important place to be especially right now. I mean, the past couple months, again, so much uncertainty. When are things going to open up again? Are things going to open up again? But now we're in this place of limbo and we don't know what's going to happen next. Is there going to be a second wave? What's going to happen? We have zero control over and that can create more anxiety. However, through that practice, it can calm you to know that you're in control of what you are in control of. And it just, again, anchors you back into your body, anchors you back into to the present moment. Because when you look around right now, like take a moment, look around. This is what's going on. You're listening to this podcast. You might be multitasking. You might be sitting at your desk. Who knows what you're doing right now, but just be aware of everything that's happening around you. Because if this is it, then it's not so bad. If you're listening to a podcast right now, whatever's going on in your present moment can't be that bad. What gets us is the worrying about the future or ruminating over the past. So use this moment to just anchor you present in your body in this moment. Something that I want to address is, again, when I first started this, I thought that, you know, my monkey mind was never going to be able to focus. And the reason why I thought that was because I never understood that the nature of the mind is to be distracted. And mindful awareness isn't about just staying with your breath. It's about returning to your breath. And I think of it like returning home to your body. And when you return to your breath, it enhances your ability to focus. And this emphasizes the reshifting of your attention. It is basically outsmarting your mind's natural tendency to wander. And that's what makes it so helpful for for myself who experiences ADHD, but also anyone that's experiencing anxiety or, or stress or overwhelm, because the key is you have, uh, once you know that your mind is wandering, that's where the mindfulness practice magic is because you realize it's there and you lovingly with compassion, gently bring it back to your breath. And that is the, the moment of mindfulness. It's not what happens before. It's just noticing when your mind's wandering. I like to think of it as like this little like hug that's like, all right, come on back mind. Like I'm just going to bring you back and we're going to start to be present and in this moment. So that's kind of how I uh, have dove into to mindfulness and help my clients start shifting their perspective on mindfulness and meditation. Meditation is a very formal practice of mindfulness. It's sitting with your breath and it's focusing um, on your breathing. And there's different forms of meditation. But the reason why I love mindfulness is because mindfulness can be done anytime, anywhere. And it's choosing an activity to be fully immersed in and fully in it. So now I want to share with you some practices that you can use today to help really develop your mindfulness practice and help maybe alleviate any overwhelm, stress that you might be experiencing from the uncertain and the unknown. So first, mindfulness, I mean, there's tons of definitions, but the way that I define it is paying attention on purpose without judgment. And this is to the experiences in the present moment. And that's all that it is. I mean, really, 
paying attention on purpose without judgment. And that really invites in to be compassionate and loving towards yourself instead of beating ourselves up all the time for everything that we do. And when you have this practice, it allows you to really just pay attention to the goodness that surrounds you. My favorite practice is being in nature. There is so much to look at and so much to take in and so much beauty to um, experience when you're in nature. And the practice that I really love is um, if you're feeling yourself like your mind wandering or you feel scattered or you feel, feel overwhelmed, the first practice that I want to teach you is like the five senses. So first you just take a moment Notice that you're kind of swirling in an overwhelm of thoughts and just take a breath and notice five things that you can see around you. So it could be a pen, a spot on the ceiling. I mean, anything in your surroundings. Then you want to go to four things that you can touch. So it could be the clothes on your skin. It could be something that's on your desk. It could be a furry doggo by your feet. The next is notice three things that you can hear. So it could be my voice on this podcast. It could be birds chirping outside. It could be your dog barking, just bringing awareness to the the sounds in your environment. The next is two things that you can smell. And if you can only smell one thing, maybe you have to get up and go to a different room and take in a different scent. And the last is one thing that you can taste. This could be what you have for breakfast, maybe coffee, or maybe it's gum. But again, activating all of your senses. And this practice takes less than five minutes, and it allows you to anchor in your body in the present moment. Love this practice. I do this often if I feel myself getting overwhelmed with thoughts. The next practice that I want to share with you is very helpful when you might be um, stuck in fear or um, anxiety. And the goal is to calm your nervous system. And a simple way to do this is with long, deep breaths. So you can take at least three full breaths, counting to five with an inhale and counting to five with an exhale. And with the exhale, you're intentionally releasing tension. And when you release tension, that will calm your nervous system. And this takes time. And again, it's a practice, but it can be done anytime, anywhere. I think Apple Watches even have a, a breath app or feature on there to help. And it counts with your pulse if you if it notices that your blood pressure is rising. So it helps, again, calm your nervous system. The thing about our breath is it's. I think it's the most powerful and helpful tool to bring you back to home base without going into a spiral of worries and thoughts. Uh, And it brings you back to your senses. Uh, So this is really powerful because we breathe obviously all the time, but not necessarily intentionally. So when you're intentionally breathing, it allows you to really calm your nervous system and anchor back into your body. The last thing I want to share with you is mindful hand washing, or really it could be any type of automatic behavior, but hand washing, since right now we are washing our hands like a hundred times a day. And this is a really great technique. You can also do this in the shower, just any, any activity that really engages all of your senses. And right now, 
you can take these opportunities, especially because you're washing your hands more often, as an opportunity to refocus and be in the moment. So when you're washing your hands, just paying attention to how the water feels on your hands, paying attention to any scents. Like, do you notice the scent of the soap? Then as you wash your hands, you can notice your hands working over and around each other. And you can pay attention to the sensations as your hands move together, like the fingers, the palms, your thumbs. Something that I like to do is send appreciation or gratitude to my hands and just considering all of the work that they do all the time. It makes our food. It allows us to type on our computers, use our phones, earn a living. Like, I mean, our hands are probably one of the most underappreciated parts of our body. And when you're washing it, giving that moment of appreciation and gratitude can again, anchor you in the present moment. Then as you rinse the soap off, allow your worries about the future just to wash away. And as you wash away or rinse off the worries of the future, this allows you to clear the mind and focus what's happening right now. And then the last part is while you're drying your hands, notice the sense of life and vitality in your own hands, feeling some appreciation for the moment but giving yourself credit for doing all that you can moment to moment and staying healthy for yourself and then healthy for the ones around you and the people that you love. And this practice, it's so simple. It can be done in 20 seconds. And even if you just did this every single day, 20 seconds a day, you would notice a big shift in your overall well-being and where your headspace is at because it's simple moments like that that allow you to anchor back in because oftentimes we are going so fast. We have to wash our hands fast. We have to get on to the next thing. And then next thing you know, it's the end of the day and you don't even know what happened in your day. So this practice really gives you that little present moment that can expand so much bigger than what you could ever imagine for yourself. I think it's just so important to know like we are human beings, not doings. And this time has really forced us to just be and to stop doing all the time. And these little practices, they make such a difference. And the last thing I'll leave you with is, you know, I mentioned that when, when you have a feeling, instead of pushing it away, just allowing it to come up and remember, it's just a vibration and you don't want to interrupt it. So if you're having fear or you're, you're experiencing grief, asking yourself, like, how, how will you be there for the fear and the grief? What is it being called forth? Like, why is this happening within you? And then it allows you to decide who you want to be and what type of world you want to live in because your inner world is can can be completely different from what's going on in the outer world. And that is what the gift of mindfulness gives us. It helps us come home to a space of presence that is strong enough to carry us through whatever challenge that we might encounter. It's a place that we can actually live from who we most want to be. So it doesn't matter what's going on around you externally, as long as you're taking care of what's going on internally. All right. That is it. My friends, my action step for you is to put on a timer and focus on your breath for two minutes. 
That is it. If you want more information, I will provide in the show notes some really great apps you can use for meditation, but also some books that you can read that really help you dive into the practice of mindfulness. If you practice mindfulness and you have other things that you want to share with me, I would love to hear what works for you. And remember, I have a whole tool toolbox toolkit checklist. I don't know what to call it. Free for you for being my listener. Action steps that you can take to really develop your happiness and mindfulness practice. Mindfulness, happiness, all of the above, all of these are connected on such a big level. And I'm telling you, if you practice them regularly, you will feel better about where you're at and where you're going. So that's it, my friends. I hope you have a beautiful day and remember to love yourself, own your happiness and let your light shine because you are so worthy of it. I will catch you next time.